Today's Greenhorn Radio is an archived episode concerning the 2012 Farm Bill. Enjoy. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. One of our Farm Bill Policy Podcast series. I'm here in the Hudson studio of WGXC with Annette Higby, and she is she's in Vermont. Hello, Annette. Hi, Severin. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Um, would you mind explaining to our radio viewers or radio listeners, I should say, um, what is the New England Farmers Union? Um, the New England Farmers Union is uh, one of the youngest chapters of the National Farmers Union. The National Farmers Union is um, one of the largest general farm organizations in the United States. Um, NIFU was chartered in 2006. Um, we're currently at about 1,500 members and growing. Um, we have uh, most of our members are farmers and they include uh, cranberry growers, fruit and vegetable farmers, dairy farmers, um, and they're conventional, they're sustainable, they're organic, beginning and established. So it's a really uh, very diverse uh, membership organization. We also count um, as our members uh, um, a number of food co-ops in, in New England. So uh, one of our affiliated members um, has... Uh, 30 federal, or, I'm sorry, 30 food co-ops in New England that in turn have uh, about 90,000 consumer members. So we think that this combination of farmers and uh, consumers are a really potent voice to, to bring about some real change in this farm bill cycle. So it's all about change and it's all about New England. And and it's it's good that you're mentioning about working with the consumers, you know, because the New Northeast is such a populous region, um, and as such, the farmers in this region face uh, quite tremendous development pressure um, on the land that they farm, and yet are blessed with, you know, a, a huge market to serve. Could you define a little bit more in detail um, the particular voice, the particular um, flavor uh, to the New England Farmers Union and, and the issues that you focus on um, being of this region? Sure. NIFU uh, works primarily on federal farm policy. There are some exceptions. We do um, pay attention to state policy as it relates to cooperatives because cooperative development is extremely important to us, and a lot of uh, uh, policies affecting cooperatives happen at the state level. That's where cooperative, cooperatives are are born, so to speak. That's the law that affects them. But for the most part, our our focus is federal. So we, we focus on the federal farm bill. We focus on um, appropriations, agricultural appropriations, which happens every year. We also uh, had a strong focus around uh, the recent Food Safety Modernization Act um, legislation and did what we could to uh, ensure there were provisions within that bill that 
uh, allowed alternative compliance measures for small and, and moderate-sized farmers. So NIFO is is really, I guess, in the in the farm organization spectrum. Um, both the New England Farmers Union and the National Farmers Union really seek to support and uh, small and moderate-sized family farms. That's our um, that's our that's our base, so to speak. Okay. Uh, and um, we're we're also going to be um, the, the the new um, federal farm bill reauthorization that's coming up in 2012. We plan to be um, totally engaged in that. And among our priorities are issues of local and regional food system development, organic agriculture, beginning farmers, um, including land tenure issues. We're also very concerned about maintaining uh, um, a safety net for our small and mid-sized dairy farmers because that's so central and key to keeping our landscape a working landscape. And we're also we'll also be focused on conservation programs within. The, the federal farm bill, like the like the farm and ranch land protection program that funds a lot of uh, farmland conservation efforts. Well, and this is the thing in New England, we have these wonderful old barns, um, and in all of America, we have wonderful old farmers and older farmers, and the issue of farmland transfer and and moving forward a living landscape to the next set of hands. Um, be it a lineal line, keeping it within a family, or or moving land um, between farmers, bef- between farming generations. Um, could you talk about some of the strategies that you've identified uh, that are very? And I, this one of the things I wanted to make sure everyone who was listening knew about was your policy platform and and how tremendously practical your organization is, and and how thoroughly you think out what this policy uh, points us towards. But can you th- talk a little bit about if we're if we're pointing towards a, a living landscape and uh, new farmers on on the land and and keeping the the land in farming? What are some of the methods um, by which you see that um, happening? Beginning farmers are um, a significant priority for us, and we're supporting something a bill called the uh, Beginning Farmer and Rancher Opportunity Act. Uh, that was introduced by Congressman Walls from Minnesota and Senator Tom Harkin um, in the Senate. And it provides, a, there are a number of provisions w- within it that su- uh, support beginning farmers. Um, it includes increased authorization for uh, farm service agency lending. It um, includes uh, uh, renewed funding for a program called the Beginning Farmer Rancher Development Program that uh, funds organizations that provide technical assistance to beginning farmers and has been um, really well utilized in New England by lots of groups who are um, helping farmers on a, on the, on the, in the nitty-gritty of getting farmers um, in the profession of agriculture, pro- providing technical assistance on everything from financial planning to business planning to how to uh, maintain tractors to land tenure issues to lease reviews to the whole the whole gamut of um, the services that beginning farmers need. It also includes a provision that we think is really important with respect to conservation um, projects, and it it provides that for conservation projects that include or serve a beginning farmer or end up with a beginning farmer on the land or that use something called an option to purchase at agricultural use value um, 
or includes a transfer plan, that those kinds of projects uh, that, that make it more likely to, to, to put a beginning farmer on, on the land, that those will have a priority. So we're, we're um, supportive of that, that provision as well. So obviously the concept, so those of you who are not super familiar with farm programs, there's within the farm bill there are various titles and, and conservation has has been at one of the titles that has suffered unfortunately in this um, in the draft the draft that was created by the super committee um, but which has been which has been gaining ground in the in the past and conservation programs and if I'm wrong Annette, I'm just a, I'm just a greenhorn when it comes to almost everything but especially farm policy. Um, you're absolutely you're absolutely right, um, and conservation uh, funding has taken hits not just in the uh, you know the, the, the opening salvo I guess of the farm bill, but for the last two appropriation cycles, um, the appropriators have taken um, funding uh, s- significant cuts out of conservation funding, um, and it's, I'll just make a plug here for. Uh, I think our, our legislators, both on the Appropriations Committee and on the Ag Committees, willing to hear from us about how important conservation programs are. And it's not just uh, land conservation programs. It's also programs like EQIP that have funded um, high tunnels. Um, EQIP has also uh, begun to play a really important role in helping farmers transition uh, into um, organic agriculture or to support farmers who are already practicing organic agriculture. Um, so... There are there are conservation programs that um, that, that go well beyond uh, the, sort of the traditional farmland conservation um, efforts that are, are really important and uh, important to New England, and we need to support their funding. Um, and and our our delegation really needs to hear from us about how how important those programs are. So sometimes people, and I know this from conversations with the lay people that I call my family, um, they're saying, "Oh, conservation that means you know habitat." Or that means, you know, taking land out of production, and in fact, it can it can instead mean conservation, kind of more broadly, i.e., the kind of the conservation of our natural resources and and of our soils. And so, friends of mine who gotten you know wonderful grants um, for hoop houses in order to be able to produce year-round greens, although they're not so much greens in December, it slows down a lot. But 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 other other part times of the year. Um, and then also fencing and incentives for cover cropping and 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 building and maintaining um you know the base of our the base of our agricultural productivity which is the soil so um getting getting familiar with NRCS and and inspiring you know the part of it that is really jazzy to me is inspiring the the NRCS people who are near you um you know with your tremendous zeal and enthusiasm and and ambition uh, to be a good soil steward and, and to make use of the programs that exist and the expertise that is still there, but if we don't um, fight for it, it could soon go away. Um, and uh, uh, those working land conservation programs, as opposed to programs that take uh, agricultural land out of production, uh, a lot of them that, through NRCS offer cost share for various practices or or um, or practices or uh, structures, and in the current farm bill, and we're, we're also hoping to continue it. There's a um, there are more generous cost share rates offered for beginning farmers. So we're also hoping to um, continue that in the the 20, 2012 or the twenty thirteen farm bill. 
So, so if policy wasn't glamorous to you until now, um, just think about what it means to have Uncle Sam help you out when you're spending thousands of dollars putting up fencing so that the farm that was a dairy that turned into commodity corn that then went out or just was hayland for horses or for whatever, and you're trying to bring it back into grass-fed beef and all that fencing and high t- uh, uh, tensile with those corner posts, uh, that is conservation too. <laughs> Anyway, um, so what are the challenges that, that we are facing in this Farm Bill fight? Um, and and how, can, how can New Englanders, being not such a productive agricultural region, have a, have a strong voice? Well, I, the, the biggest challenge in this Farm Bill cycle is deficit reduction. Um, we're defi- we'll definitely have fewer resources available to us this time around than uh, in the 2008 Farm Bill, where we really had a lot of gains in both conservation and beginning farmers and uh, in a lot of other areas. This time around, uh, we're looking at spending cuts as, as opposed to trying to figure out how to, figure out how to divide new uh, available resources. And so, so even though we are in, in New England and in the Northeast, better represented on the House and Senate Agriculture Committees than ever. We've got eight House members and four Senate members. It's going to be harder than ever to uh, uh, sort of shift that uh, paradigm that we've seen for the last 30, 50 years where so many of the Farm Bill resources, particularly in the commodity uh, title, end up going to the Midwest, which um, also produces most of those, those commodities. But uh, I think that uh, we're going to have to be engaged and we're going to have to fight for a fair share of the resources, particularly around beginning farmers and rebuilding local and regional food systems, um, which is, uh, it's a, it, I think in New England, we're really at the cutting edge uh, on local and regional food systems and um, rebuilding those systems and structures and markets. And um, we need federal resources to help us uh, make those investments. Uh, but we're going to have to really fight hard for those things because the, the, the resources are pretty limited this, this time around. So the resources are limited. And, and just to kind of create a, a contrast, the money that's being spent currently subsidizing the production of, of commodity crops, many of which are centered in the Midwest, um, for export, I am reading, I am reading the newspaper called Ag Capital Press, and in it, it's con- there's a lot of talk about um, free trade agreement in, um, in South. I forget if it's North or South Korea, South Korea, and they're talking about well, if for every billion dollars of cor- of you know food product that we export, that's making for every billion dollars that's making ten thousand jobs. And I was like, wow, that sounds like a lot of jobs. You know, then I thought about how much it takes to make a billion dollars worth of corn. And I was I was wondering if you could reflect on the economic value of investing rather in a local food economy and the supply chain um, and the rural development that comes from from that kind of investment versus um, the the kind of investment that we're, we've been seeing for the last thirty years that's you know given us um, 
you know, such, such an abundance of corn in our diets and, and in our export, uh, in our export menu? That's a really good question. Um, and I, I think, uh, it's, I, I wish I had more data. Um, but I, I think that my instinct is to answer this question, um, from my own personal experience of having lived in the Midwest, uh, where, um, you know, all of those commodity dollars may come into a community, but they don't necessarily benefit the whole community. Those programs have led to uh, land consolidation. They've led to rural depopulation. They've led to communities where that are rural places that may be highly productive in terms of agriculture, but are actually food deserts. Um, so I don't know where those jobs are that they're creating, but I do know what impact they've literally had on rural communities in the Midwest. So um, that, that's I, that's that's one aspect. Uh, the other thing is we, we, we know that building local and regional food systems that are made up of small and moderate-sized firms are tremendous job creators. There's There are a number of good studies uh, coming out of Michigan that uh, suggest that... Um, and I, uh, I don't, I don't have the exact numbers, but, but we do know that those kinds of food systems do create jobs. They also create uh, a healthier, uh, healthier community because ownership is more widespread. It's dispersed. It's um, people have more economic opportunity. The diet is healthier because there there's greater access to fresh and local food. So I think that. Um, you know, we can compete on the on the job creation issue, but we can we can really compete in terms of what's best for communities and and how food systems affect communities and and uh, plus plus and plus and minus. Well, then this is the thing. You know, we have this tremendous influx of young young minds and and ambitious ambitious uh, people into agriculture, and I don't think that that is for no reason i i you know as a foundational um uh sector as a foundational industry um as a foundational practice it seems that that is the right place to start when it comes to you know rebuilding the local economy and and setting in in motion a whole series of um entrepreneurial moments as we you know get reclaim the supply chain essentially cold storage, you know, breweries, roasting houses. Um, I just met some wonderful people in Massachusetts who run a malt, a malt house and they malt barley and then smoke houses, obviously apple juice and pickles are two um, new ones. I've just been making friends with some pickle makers and, uh, you know, it just starts to be so much fun to have, um, so many more relationships, um, in the food chain and, and, you know, obviously jobs and, and everything like that. But, but more than that, it's the culture comes back and it's you know, way much more fun for having a party. Right. So it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. And I think it's important and we're having these policy um, podcasts and also as we are contemplating our own ac- actions to think in terms of that kind of holistic uh, view of of where we're pointed, and where we need our policy to point us. 
it's really exciting, and I think New England is leading the way in terms of beginning farmers and this sort of creative entrepreneurial spirit. And it's it's transforming rural communities, but it's also transforming urban communities. Uh, um, if you, we have a, a a a member of New England Farmers Union who is a beginning farmer who's um, farming in downtown Providence, Rhode Island, and she came to our our annual uh, meeting and just spoke about how it's affected her community, her family, her uh, neighborhood in ways that. Uh, you know, bring a bright spot to an otherwise fairly blighted economically in every other way uh, situation. So it's it's really, it is exciting. It's transformational. It's transformational. Yes, I love Tess very much. And I'm trying to uh, have an adventure with her in the next few days. Uh, that is, for anyone who's interested, Little City Growers Cooperative in Providence, Rhode Island. It's a cooperative of urban farmers who market together and support each other and are just kick-ass in almost every way. Um, Annette, how can people tune in to New England Farmers Union and read your policy platform and join your membership base? What should they do first? Please come to our website. It's uh, newenglandfarmersunion.org. And on the front page, there are two links. One is to our, our Farm Bill uh, platform, it, which is a work in progress where uh, we it's, it's a work of our policy committee. You can also see there a link for our policy book, which is a more comprehensive statement of uh, federal policy to get a sense of who we are and what we care about and uh, what, what's important to us. You can also sign up for our e-news, and you can also join NIFU, and I would encourage you to do that. Um, you know, we are 1,500 um, members strong and growing, and it's important when we go and, and interact with and try to educate um, members of our delegation and others in, in Washington, D.C., to, to tell them that, you know, we are 15, 16, 17, 2,000 members strong, and this is who we are, uh, and it's uh, I just would urge you to uh, join NIFU, stay involved. Uh, you have a voice. There's a form right on the website where you can suggest amendments to our policy book that then they will be considered by our policy committee. Um, we have uh, an annual meeting once a year. We're at most of the farm shows, so keep an eye out for us and come up and say hello. So democracy needs you and NIFU needs you. I really like your name, NIFU. Uh, that's the New England Farmers Union. This has been another policy podcast uh, for the upcoming 2012 Farm Bill season. If you eat well, if you live in the Valley, or if you're uh, interested in, in being a part of the change, well, what, a be- what better way than to engage with the uh, very practical farmer forward uh, and quite historical uh, farm organization? When was the National Young... Uh, Farmers Union founded? Uh, 110 years ago, and there are nationwide about 150,000 members. So we are, you know, one of the largest general ag organizations in the U.S. And the three principles are cooperation, legislation, and? Education. Okay. So nothing better than that, and thank you so much, Annette. And Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Severin. I enjoyed it. All the best to you all, and we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 